Welcome to Soccer Morning on World Soccer Talk. Here's your host, Jason Davis. Good morning, everybody. Happy Monday. Here we are. Soccer Morning underway. New week starting off right now. I'm sure you're ready to talk about everything that we've just seen over the past three days or so, including some interesting Friday results. Uh, strange results, surprising results, big results in England and Spain and France and Italy and Netherlands, probably. I didn't write that down today, but it's sure that happened. Did I mention Germany already? Big leagues, uh, big leagues with big games, and that's what we're here to talk about, including MLS, which may not qualify as a big league, but yet there it is. All right, so here we go. <coughs> Excuse me. We're working on a couple of that was weird. Never happened before. Working on a couple of things for you on a Monday morning. We'll let you know if anything comes together in the next couple of minutes. Otherwise, be prepared to get your phones ready to give me a call to talk about soccer here on a Monday. Let's dive into the news because, as I mentioned, games, games everywhere means we have results to, to, uh, to talk about. The headline, though, has to be Lionel Messi suffering an MCL tear in a Barcelona win over Las Palmas on the weekend. The prognosis is that Messi will be out for seven to eight weeks. Argentinian doctors say he'll recover in less than two months. We shall see. Keep in mind that the first, uh, the first El Clasico of the year is coming up in about eight weeks' time. So it's very possible Lionel Messi will just be coming back in, from injury when Barcelona goes into that big match against Real Madrid. Now, it's not as though Barcelona doesn't have plenty of cover. Luis Suarez, uh, Neymar... All of the resources that they have at their disposal, they should be fine, but we are talking about the best player in the world. Speaking of Spain, Real Madrid drew with Malaga 0-0 on the weekend, so they couldn't take advantage of an opportunity to move up the table. Villarreal beating, uh, beating Atletico Madrid, Atletico Madrid, excuse me, won nothing to maintain their hold on first place. Sevilla 3-2 over Rayo Vallecano. In the Premier League, wow. Anthony Martial scoring, uh, sorry, starring, not scoring, but starring in, in a Manchester United win over Sunderland, 3-0. Manchester United, by virtue of the rest of the results, now has overtaken City for the top spot in the Premier League. Speaking of City, the reason that they are no longer in first place is because Spurs crushed them 4-1 at White Hart Lane. Harry Kane scoring his first goal of the year in the victory. Uh, plenty to talk about there from a Spurs perspective and from a City perspective as they have completely taken a nosedive after going 5-for-5 five five to start the year. Arsenal romping over Leicester City 5-2. to two. Alexi Sanchez leading the way with a hat-trick for the Gunners. Big performance there uh, from Sanchez. Liverpool, 3-2 winners over Aston Villa. Uh, Daniel Sturridge starring uh, in that game with two goals. And afterwards, Brendan Rodgers saying, hey, I'm the same guy that nearly took us to a title, only I'm better. We shall see, but at least Aston Villa, I'm sorry, at least Liverpool gets a win, even if it's over weak, uh, weaker competition. Chelsea, speaking of weaker competition, 2-2 draw with Newcastle at St. James, James's Park. We'll see if there's any signs of life from Chelsea, who now sit in 15th place in the Premier League table early in the season. In MLS, the Red Bulls. I mentioned a, some wacky Friday results. That's one of them. 5-2 losers at home to Orlando City. Kyle Lahren scoring three goals, setting a new rookie goal-scoring record. He's now got 14 on the year. Didier Drogba, 
Two more goals in a 2 nothing win over D.C. United for the Montreal Impact. Drogba has changed that team, turned them around in a way that I'm not sure that anybody expected, despite knowing how good Drogba can be. Toronto beating the Chicago Fire 3-2 at BMO Field. Sebastian Giovinco with his 20th goal and 15th assist on the year. He's, his 35 total between goals and assists is a, an MLS record. Truly one of, the great, um, uh, one of the great offensive seasons in MLS history, and it has Toronto on their way to a playoff berth, provided they don't slip up too much down the stretch here. Seattle 1-1 draw with Sporting Kansas City. Sporting resting all of their starters ahead of a, a U.S. Open Cup final on Wednesday. Dom Dwyer came off the bench, speaking of starters, to get the equalizing goal for Sporting Kansas City. So a, an opportunity lost for Seattle, they, although they say that they're fine with a, uh, a tough, uh, tough point on the road in MLS, which we know is, is never an easy thing. The LA Galaxy being FC Dallas 3-2. Every DP for the Galaxy scoring a goal. That's Keane, Gerard, and Dos Santos, not in that order. The win puts LA on top of the Western Conference standings. And the Supporter Shield standings, they are now the first team in MLS to reach the 50-point threshold. They have a two-point lead over Vancouver, although they've played one more game. And they also have a two-point lead over New York, although they've played two more games than the Red Bulls. The Red Bulls are already into the playoffs, um, obviously. uh, Mathematically speaking, that has yet to happen for anybody else and, and did not on this weekend, despite a couple of teams having the opportunity. In Italy, Fiorentina beat previously perfect Inter Milan 4-1 to go top of the Serie A table. Napoli beating Juve 2-1 and Genoa beating AC Milan 1-0. I believe I read this morning that it's the first time all three of those clubs, Juve, Inter, and AC Milan, have lost on the same day in 21 years in Italy. Bundesliga, Bayern Munich continues their dominance, 3-0 winners over Mainz. Dortmund played to a 2-2 draw with Darmstadt. Gladbach, 3-1 winners over Stuttgart. Things turning around for Gladbach immediately after Lucien Favre uh, resigned his position. You always thought that it would come back around for Gladbach, uh, but it's, uh, it kind of sucks that Favre had to leave for that to happen, uh, if that's the case. Bayern Munich's lead in the league is now four points over Borussia Dortmund. Finally, Zenit St. Petersburg striker Hulk has claimed he was again racially abused in Russia over the weekend in a game against Spartak Moscow. Brazilian has taken to blowing kisses at the the fans that abuse him in Russia. Both Spartak and Torpedo Moscow were sanctioned last year for incidents of abuse towards Hulk. A report in February, just to give you some context of what's going on in Russia, A report in February by the anti-discrimination group FAIR found more than 200 incidents of racist and discriminatory behavior linked to Russian football over the last two years. The Russian government has disputed those figures, and of course they would. And several players, not just Hulk, but also Emmanuel Frimpong and some others, have expressed concerns over the racist behavior of fans in in Russia. Uh, Frimpong taking to Twitter not that long ago. After he was, after he reacted and then was uh, suspended for reacting to racist abuse, saying, "I get suspended for being abused, and we're going to have a World Cup in this country." That's two years away. Sorry, two and a half years away. Uh, World Cup 2018 coming in Russia. Finally, actually, I said finally, but this is the actually uh, the last thing I'll mention here. Throwing this in, found this on Twitter just before airtime. Looks like Sepp Blatter is holding a staff meeting 
with the employees of FIFA today. That's being characterized as a monthly meeting that would happen anyway, no matter what. But clearly, in the aftermath of Sepp Blatter being interrogated by Swiss officials over corruption and uh, subsequently being uh, investigated for his role in a couple of different uh, corruption allegations, this meeting has some potential bombshell possibilities. We're not sure anything's going to come out of it, but we'll keep an eye on it. It's at 4 o'clock Zurich time. Trevor, do we have any, do you have any idea what time that is for us? Uh, I think that's probably six or seven hours ahead. So uh, we'll have to keep an eye on that. Uh, could be coming up at 10 o'clock or it could be happening right now. I'm not, pos- I'm not positive on that. We'll, we'll check on that. All right, let's step aside. We will uh, figure out. Ooh, that's not, that's not the right thing. It's so Monday. It is so Monday. Six hours ahead. So that will be a 10 o'clock a.m. Eastern time meeting with Seth Blatter. We'll find out what's going on there. When we come back, looks like the phone line is going to be open for you on a Monday. Soccer morning. WorldSoccerTalk.com. Talking too loud But I can't hear you Welcome back to Soccer Morning on World Soccer Talk with Jason Davis. Here we are back on Soccer Morning on a Monday. Lots of things rolling through my head on a Monday morning. Not just trying to get a grasp of all of these games and what they mean for various leagues. Uh, It's obviously early in Europe, late in MLS. They've got uh, Mexico. I didn't throw any Mexican results in there, but obviously Mexico always fascinating for a lot of reasons. Uh, we're all we're all, we're moving quickly towards the United States Mexico match on October 10th. By the way, working out my plans for that. If you're in the DC metro or plan to be in the DC metro, why you would be, I don't know, but it, things happen. Uh, so we may have a, just an impromptu gathering with me. Have a beer, watch the game. Uh, nothing official. I, I also, and I, I've been meaning to catch up on this, and I apologize for sort of going through it as I'm looking at the information, uh, but the. The VW scandal, the Volkswagen scandal over trying to trick EPA regulators about the uh, emissions on their diesel cars sold in the United States, all of that stuff, which has prompted uh, Volkswagen to oust their CEO and replace him. There's going to is there going to be some impact on Wolfsburg? I mean, isn't that a thing? Um, our friend Manuel Vett who uh, we've had on to talk Russian soccer, but also covers, he's German, also covers German soccer, has a, an item over at uh, the Soccer Manager blog, which I'm going to be taking a look at. But it, that has to be a concern for them. And, you know, what's interesting about that for me is that, the, that, that obviously German football has this reputation of not necessarily turning on corporate ownership the same way that maybe, or, or individual ownership the same way that a, and England does, or in Italy does, um, or even even France with PSG being backed by uh, the Qataris. I, I know Wolfsburg's not the only in you know the only um, concern involved in Wolfsburg, but they are they are the major backer of Wolfsburg, and that has to come down at some point, perhaps have an impact on that club. I mean this, and the, all of that happening uh, right around the time that uh, Robert Lewandowski decided to put to put five on them in nine minutes. Um, 
Uh, Wes on Twitter, Wes Harris from Business of Soccer, throwing in that it's not going to be just Wolfsburg, but, but globally, globally an issue. All right, well, uh, you know, again, uh, just trying to keep track of everything that's happening, and it's always interesting when these worlds collide. Because as a soccer fan, you may read the news or hear the news that, Vol- that, that Wolfs- uh, sorry, uh, Volkswagen is in trouble for what they did with these devices attempting to get around EPA regulations and not necessarily make the connection. Yeah, but yes, there is one. I mean, imagine if, and this is obviously on a different level because they're not involved in the club nearly as big as Wolfsburg, but imagine if suddenly every can of, um, of Red Bull had to be recalled. <laughs> wouldn't, that, wouldn't that have an impact? <laughs> ah, yes. Oh, and our friend Jonathan Tannenwald over at Philly.com making a good point. Volkswagen owns Audi, who are also impacted. And uh, guess who was a major sponsor of Major League Soccer, including the Major League Soccer playoffs brought to you by, is it brought to you by Audi? Or is it Audi presents the 2015 Major League playoffs? I, yeah. I mean, and our friend Brian Blickenstaff, based in Germany. Not only are they owned by Wolfs- by Wolfs- uh, Volkswagen, excuse me, but it's the club's main sponsor. What if there's a billion dollar fine in the USA? Uh, we're talking some serious uh, trickle down stuff happening here, and, and you know this is why I think a lot of people who are extremely passionate about soccer, and those of us who don't have a commercial interest in anything going on with the game. I mean, none of us are, are sponsoring teams. We're not investing our own money directly in any real sense. I mean, you could buy a share of some club that's running a crowdsourcing ownership campaign, uh, what, like we saw with the Spanish club. Who's the Spanish club, Trevor? Uh, but you're not, you're not, we're not obviously tied directly to these big companies who are backing soccer clubs, and therefore it's easy for us to sort of imagine that the world would be a better place if this um if this was if if this wasn't involved that there wasn't a such a a corporate interest in the game we would all i think we would a lot of us not everybody but a lot of us would love to go back to a simpler time i mean clearly mls is all single owner corporate backed for the most part not single owner but 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 definitely wouldn't exist if we hadn't moved in a different direction in terms of the way clubs operate. But, you know, once upon a time you had community clubs, which, you know, their, their revenue was their revenue and they turned that over and they, they were a wholly concerned business that wasn't necessarily tied to an outside concern the way Volkswagen is tied to Vol- to Wolfsburg or, or Red Bull is tied to, to Red Bull Salzburg and Red Bull um, in Austria. Uh, that, uh, that's who that is. And Red Bull in New York. So I don't know what I'm trying to say here other than we've already gone too far down that path. There's really no way to turn back. Yeah. Uh, it's both Audi MLS Cup playoffs and MLS Cup playoffs presented by Audi. It's both of those. <laughs> Phone lines are open 646. 832-3909. I can't imagine uh, I can't imagine what it's like at MLS headquarters or uh, in the offices of, the, of Wolfsburg's uh, club when things like this happen. We don't wow it's just you don't want this to be the case. You don't want the business interest of Volkswagen to have an impact on how our soccer goes and whether or not we can enjoy it without being burdened by this stuff. I, I don't know. 
646-832-3909 is your phone number. A couple of things um, uh, also of top of mind here this morning. Uh, USL playoffs are happening, or get, uh, they, yeah, they are underway. I'm going to get to them here. I don't know a lot about the USL uh, playoffs at the moment, and I apologize for that, but we will take a look. I promised somebody yesterday uh, when I was doing my show on Rabble, our, our game broadcast for LA Galaxy and FC Dallas on Rabble with Jared Dubois, that I would take a look. Um, it's just a matter of, of course, um, trying to get up to speed in a league with a billion teams, um, trying to get to uh, exactly who's still alive and, and in the first round what's going on um, across the league. Sacramento Republic's title is over. I do know that because LA Galaxy 2 uh, upset them one nothing uh, at Bonnie Field in Sacramento. Red Bulls 2 are joining Galaxy 2 in the, in the conference semifinals after they beat Pittsburgh Riverhounds 4-2 at Red Bull Arena. Uh, the, let's see, we've got uh, Seattle Sounders 2 losing to Colorado Springs switchbacks on Friday night. Uh, so that one uh, takes out an MLS-backed uh, second team. Uh, so, and then you have uh, Orlando, uh, sorry, Oklahoma City Energy. Um, they'll travel to Sporting Kansas City. I'm sorry, they'll, they'll take on Colorado Springs in the next round. Um, so there you go. I, I'm trying to find a bracket. Somebody find me an, a, a simple bracket of the USL playoffs so I can take a look at, at that. I've got a playoff tracker, but I don't necessarily have... A bracket that will tell me who's through and and who's maybe I don't know. I, I'm sure our friend Nicholas Murray down in uh, down in Tampa has something he can send me. We could take a look at that. Six four six eight three two thirty. I don't know what is the story for the week of the weekend for you. <coughs> Excuse me. Is it some of these strange results in MLS? And when I say strange, we have to put that in context. MLS is a parody rich league that throws up surprising results. We have clearly not moved to a place where spending money gives you an advantage or even uh, playing, you know, uh, uh, five sixths of the season means that you can necessarily pencil in a winner or write in ink a winner. The Red Bulls losing to Orlando at home five to two surprising result there. Um, The Whitecaps getting beat at home by NYCFC. I know there's some controversy there. But that's you know that that's obviously a surprise result on by by most measures. Frank Lampard showing up, making one of his patented runs, and uh, scoring a goal for NYCFC uh, in that win. The, the 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 penalty was not a penalty, not for me. Uh, so you had to feel a little uh, a little bad for Vancouver. But on the other side, not sure about that penalty either. So now we've got dueling bad penalties, and then the tie is broken by Lampard's goal, which was a well-taken goal. So perhaps NYCFC ultimately deserved to win that game in the end. Columbus losing at home to Portland. Fernando Adi scoring twice. Kai Kamara with a great goal in that game. And Kai Kamara now on 22 for the season. Is he going to win Golden Boot? Because he's got a. it's only a two-goal lead over Jovinko, and the way that we seen Jovinko play it's all it's possible that that uh, the Italian makes a run scores five five goals in the last couple of matches here for Toronto FC they have four left and somehow manages to pull out the golden boot meanwhile Columbus has three left opportunity for Kamara to extend his lead uh, but I don't think anybody would surprised to see, be surprised to see Jovinko win golden boot and it wouldn't mean anything it wouldn't mean that Kai Kamara's season hasn't been amazing as I saw written somewhere recently, maybe Matt, Matt Doyle, in any other year, 
Kai Kamara is the runaway MVP. Runaway. In any other season, it is his without question. In this particular season, it happens to be that he's playing and doing this at the same time that's, that Sebastian Javinko has thrown, thrown up one of the all-time great seasons. Not just a really good season, an all-time great season. Oh, I've been given a, a bracket for the USL playoffs. Let me just take a look at here. Thank you to our friend uh, uh, Auntie in, in Finland. I, it's, it's small. Hold on a second. I, my, I don't have my glasses on. Sacramento losing to LA Galaxy 2. Uh, LA Galaxy 2 into the conference semifinal where they'll, play, uh, will they, where, where they'll take on the Orange County Fusion. Uh, Colorado switchbacks beating Seattle Sounders 2. And so they'll take on Oklahoma City, who uh, both Oklahoma City and Orange County buys into the conference semis. On the other side, Red Bulls taking on Rochester. Uh, on Saturday in a conference semifinal, and the Battery, who beat the Richmond Kickers, move on to face Louisville City FC. So there you go. There's your final eight, your your um, eight teams left in the USL 2015 playoffs. We will have a new champion. Sacramento won last year under Preki, and now they don't have Preki and they don't have a title. Uh, Preki, by the way, we, we did fully explain the update on Preki, right? We did fully explain why, where is Preki has come to an end to a disappointing, slightly disappointing, really, really disappointing. Okay. I'm really disappointed. Not that I don't, not that I begrudge Preki the right to go hook up with his friend and try to find a job in, in England with a, some club. I just, I wanted it to, to be more interesting. I did, uh, but it did not turn out that way. Mike on Twitter MLS always gives the chance to win. So unpredictable. It is the most interesting league in the world. That's a pretty heavy statement there, Mike. And actually leads me to a question uh, that has been, I mean, this has bounced around for years now, but we might as well pose it to you here on a Monday after a weekend in MLS that has thrown up some interesting results, some surprises, road wins for uh, for teams that you wouldn't expect to go on the road and win, like uh, like NYCFC, like the Portland Timbers in Columbus. Uh, let me see what else we have here. Obviously, you have Sporting getting a draw with Seattle despite playing a second team with the U.S. Open Cup final coming up on Wednesday uh, Wednesday night. Uh, L.A. Uh, that's not what Philadelphia and and New England, New England at home hosting the the, the Union Union resting a bunch of guys for their U.S. Open Cup final uh, against Sporting and that. Game not going the way that the Revs wanted. Is, is, does all of this, does the fact that anybody can beat anybody make the league more interesting as Mike contends? Or does it mean the league is ugly, mediocre, not cool? I mean, not as good as it might be. I mean, look at, look at, these, look at these numbers. There are three teams in the league that have fewer than double-digit losses. New York, L.A., Sporting Kansas City, and they all, they all have nine. Everybody else is on double-digit losses. The top team in the uh, sorry, the top two teams in the league right now uh, have nine losses each. Vancouver, who's only two points back, tied with the Red Bulls for that spot, have twelve losses. Does that mean that the league is more fun? Or does that mean we have a bunch of underwhelming teams? That nobody is great. And greatness can be fun, can be exciting. I think um, 
there's there's a balance here that's very difficult to strike, and maybe this is what MLS has been trying to do for years now. And of course, every year is going to be slightly different. But when you look at these standings and you and you and you look at the results and you consider how how bad some of the quote unquote good teams have been for long stretches. I mean, look at the Sounders. Right now, the Sounders are on 46 points. They have 13 losses. They went through a stretch where they lost something like 10 of 12. Now they are solidly in a playoff position. I mean, they're two points above the Timbers in sixth place. I mean, the Timbers are in sixth place. They're two points above. But they look like they're going to be fine to get into the playoffs, barring a complete collapse down the stretch. In fact, if they had won this weekend against Sporting Kansas City, good chance they'd be in the discussion for the Supporter Shield. Right now, they'd be on 48 points, right there with Vancouver and, and, and the Red Bulls, having played more games, but still. So that's how fine the margins are. L- draw with Sporting on the road against the B team, and you're in fourth place, and uh, yeah, it's not great, but it's okay. Win, if you had won, now you're in the mix for a supporter shield, which, of course, they won last year. I, I mean, I, I don't, I, again, I don't know if we want a dominant pair of teams, three teams. I don't know if we want Scotland or Spain. But maybe we don't want everybody pulled to the middle. Mike says, I can't fathom being a fan of a league where I know the winner will be one of the same four teams each year. I mean, I, I, I'm with you on that, Mike. I, I mean... I think the playoffs itself give uh, themselves give MLS a degree of randomness and uncertainty that maybe maybe you don't have to have the regular season be so uh, parody rich uh, in, a, in a manner of speaking. I can appreciate the ta- appreciate the talent in those leagues and individual games, but it's boring on a league wide scale. There are 10 teams within six points of the Supporter Shield. This is from our friend Stephen Clark on Twitter. 12 prior to the weekend. That's amazing. Amazing in a good thing, in a good way, Stephen, or amazing in a bad way? Amazing in a, ugh, man, none of these teams are that good. Or amazing in, man, I can't, I don't even know what's going to happen. This is awesome. I think as soccer fans, sometimes we trend towards the former, not the latter. Maybe as MLS fans, we can appreciate the randomness of this, of this whole thing. We can appreciate that even the good teams can be beaten any weekend by anybody, and we shouldn't be surprised about it. But that actually means, again, there's less, there's less big team underdog joy to be taken. And you know, if, you're, if you're a fan of the Galaxy or the Whitecaps or, or the Red Bulls, you get upset when your team loses. Uh, when you're a fan of... Orlando City, you're just happy to have that win at, at Red Bull Arena. But for the rest of us, for the casual, unbiased fans, is Orlando beating the Red Bulls a big enough of a surprise to give? I, I don't know. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not making. Um, I'm not making the argument that I don't want Orlando to be able to beat New York. Of course, that's something we need. Maybe it's not maybe it's not about the overall league. Trevor's making the point that Celta Vigo dominated Barca for 90 minutes. And that that happens. Uh but I think there's there's obviously there's clear divisions and we're not we're talking about resources that over time bring us essentially the same result year to year. Celta Vigo's not going to win the league. I mean it's it's all well and good to say that 
that obviously La Liga has some surprise. And that's what I mean. Celta Vigo doing what they did to Barcelona is a much bigger surprise than any result MLS can throw up. So does that mean that we are missing out a little bit on some of that element? I mean, even if the if, if the Rapids jump up and beat somebody really good, you're not really shocked by that. Or really good in terms of the standings. If 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 Colorado beats LA Galaxy, nobody goes, Wow, I didn't see that one coming. Maybe you didn't, but it it's not a shock. Uh Avid on Twitter, it's a preference it's a preference thing. MLS, MLS is like the big US leagues. Any anyone Anything can win any given year. Others don't like parity. Yeah, and, and look, I, I'm just reasoning this out. I'm not even making an argument for or against parity. I think parity can bring teams to the middle. I think uh, parity can make for some mm, less than enthralling teams over the course of a full season. And, it, you know, again, there is an argument that and there are plenty of people in this country who would love to see MLS relax their spending rules so that a club like the Galaxy, who already are fairly dominant, even within an MLS context, be even more dominant. Let the Seattles and the Torontos and the teams that want to go spend money spend their money. If they have, if they bring in the revenue, if they have the resources, no one should be holding them back. And there's uh, even if you look at the NFL, which is a, a league built around the idea of parity uh, that MLS certainly takes some cues from, there are, there are dominant good teams in the NFL that serve as focal points for passion, whether it's because everybody loves them and they're great and, oh my gosh, look at what they're doing, they're throwing up 50 points, or as the evil empire that nobody wants to see win. The New England Revolution, sorry, New England Revolution, the New England Patriots, draw interest in in, in in NFL in the NFL because of both of those dynamics. Both because people want to see how good the Patriots are, how good Tom Brady is going to be, and also because they hate the Patriots, they want to see the Patriots lose. Whatever their reasons are. And we obviously the NFL TV ratings are astronomical already. But throw the throw the Patriots on a national television game and watch those those ratings skyrocket. People likes to see people like to see greatness. As individual as fans of individual teams, we want our team to have a chance. We want to start the season every spring imagining our team winning a title. And what MLS delivers to the fan is that belief. You're never too far away from a championship that you can't imagine it happening. Where if you're in Spain or England or Germany, or anywhere else, and your team isn't one of the top two or three or four teams, you know what your ceiling is. You know where you're going. And where you're going isn't higher than mid-table. Where you're going isn't higher than fifth or sixth place. And that would be an amazing achievement. So you walk into the... If you're a West Ham fan, you come into the year with what? A hope of not being relegated. I mean, that's essentially your only wish. Let's not get relegated. If you're a fan of the Colorado Rapids, if you're a fan of Chicago Fire, even those fans at the beginning of the year can reasonably imagine that they might have a chance at an MLS Cup title. Now, that doesn't mean they're a favorite by any stretch. But you can't look at a Fire fan and say, 
in March, your team has no shot because that's not true. MLS is built to give their team a shot. Maybe it's just different flavors. Let's go to Roberto up in Connecticut. What's going on, man? Hey, Jason. Good morning. How was your weekend? Um, I it was good. It was good. I'm going to get to a tweet here in a second, but go ahead, Roberto. Yeah, yeah, no, absolutely. I just want to start off real quick with something. I um, I spoke I uh, spoke to Alexi Lawless on his Periscope the other day, and um, it was, what do you think is the state of soccer journalism today? What do you think has to be improved? Uh, what are the pros and cons currently? I would say that at this point, uh, one of the major things that is um, impacting soccer journalism is that the um, the money isn't there. I don't mean people need to get rich, but the money isn't there to insulate the some of the soccer journalism uh, journalists in this country from the organizations that they're covering, meaning that we're all beholden to certain things, certain groups, certain bodies, because Otherwise, we don't have a job. I mean, you know, we, we've seen a trend of leagues covering, them, covering themselves, Roberto, and it's not just MLS. MLS is doing it. They're maybe doing it in a more notable fashion because so much of the news comes directly from the league. But the NFL covers itself, and Major League Baseball does. They all do it. That, that for me, is a problem, but I don't think we're turning the tide on that. I think over time, what we need here is is soccer journalism that is is able to be uh i don't want to say more independent because we're like obviously i'm independent but it, it there's certainly too much power being held over access when it comes to mls and u.s soccer and, and some of those bodies you should you shouldn't be afraid of losing access if you're critical of a player or a coach you know what i mean yeah absolutely uh do you think maybe winning a world cup would have an effect on that yeah i mean i'm sure it would um you know and look there's different types of you know different approaches to journalism and we, we talk about all, all the time how when um one of the latin countries comes up and plays the united states in this in this country in a friendly or whatever and you go into the press box the american journalists are there stoic writing away and you know the honduran journalists are cheering every goal so it's different strokes for different folks but but there's I mean, we, we obviously need new, more voices, more opportunity. I don't know how to how to drum that up. I mean, I would love to see some real investment that that can be um, that can be proved successful. I mean, people have put money into soccer and journalism, and it hasn't come back out. And maybe that just means that the the market's not there to support it yet. Sure, absolutely. And I think it's also during a um, the situation of a culture as well here that is going to have to improve in the next couple of years. I mean, yeah. I mean, there's there's no there's no arguing that that journal that soccer journalism needs to uh, journalism needs to improve. I just don't know what direction that's headed in because as soc- as soccer has hit a rise, Roberto, so has so has citizen journalism and, and amateur blogging journalism, and um, you know, obviously, I'm not here if there wasn't room for that. There is no soccer morning yeah, if there wasn't room in sports, but also in soccer specifically for amateur journalism. And, and not, not that I was a journalist necessarily, but I was providing commentary and doing my thing at a time when soccer was had a vacuum. There, was, there wasn't as much coverage, even as there is now. And it's, it's interesting to me that soccer is becoming popular enough and there, is, there, are enough, um, there are enough outlets now that I almost feel as though 
that amateur element is being squeezed out. Now, there, there are people still doing it, but it doesn't have the same impact it used to. And I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing right now. I'm not sure about that. We'll just see what happens as uh, time, um, time goes by. And I'm just my last question. Um, what do you think is the injury of, um, well, obviously the absence of both Messi, Suarez, and Neymar affecting their uh, respective nations in World Cup qualifying next month? Um, Neymar is on a suspension. Is that right? Yep. Uh, because so Suarez. Of, because, and Suarez is on a suspension. Um, uh, well, I uh, see. I don't, I haven't looked at the schedule. I know Brazil's got, uh, Venezuela and somebody else. I can't remember who. Uh, Chile. Uh, they Chile. play Chile first and then they host Venezuela. Ah, uh, well, that's, um, you know, Neymar is the cutting edge for Brazil and they don't have a whole lot else, but, uh, you know, that, that should be a hard fought game. I, I imagine, uh, Chile has a chance in that game. Certainly. As for as for Suarez, I mean, I think Uruguay should be okay. I don't know who they have, and then uh, Messi and Argentina. Uh, they have Colombia and Bolivia. No Cavani as well. Well, that's then. Then Colombia is a big problem. Uh, Bolivia, not so much. Uh, Argentina, you know who Argentina has? Uh, they have Ecuador and Paraguay. Hmm, I think they should still win those games. And by, by the way, was it you? Was it you that called called me up and talked about uh, Iguain getting left off? Yes, yes, it was. Are they going to replace? Are they, can they can they make a change? Can they swap out? Uh, you know, obviously, Messi injured. Can they replace him? No, I don't think so because I think they have enough players. They they, they called up twenty seven players oh, okay. instead of twenty three. All right, so they were going to have to make a couple of cuts anyway. Okay, exactly. Yeah, well, I mean, if, I was going to say maybe that that's a door for Iguain to get back in if if Messi's hurt. But yeah, as you said, they have enough, and they I think they should be fine. Yeah, absolutely. It's going to be fun, though. That's, yeah. that's for sure. Absolutely. But, um, More fun. Well, something, something that does, um, something that does um, give me um, sad interest is the fact that after those two, in November, Brazil played Argentina. In November, Neymar returns, but Messi won't be playing. Uh, yeah. Okay. Well, um, uh, that should be fun then. <laughs> if Neymar, if it's no, I mean, exactly. I, I would love to see Neymar and Messi go up against each other, obviously, but, uh, you know, Argentina... I mean, I don't know. I mean, here's, I mean, at least there's no tournament that they can go win without Messi. Because if they did that, Roberto would just add to this whole thing about how Messi can't win anything, which we're all tired of, clearly. Exactly, Messi dependence and everything. All right, man. Appreciate the phone call. Good stuff. Yeah. Enjoy your day. There you go. Uh, Let's see. Um, Just a couple of things on Twitter before I get to Robert in LA. Um, We've got uh, Andy. Who misspells parody, dude? It's P A R I T Y. Parody spreads resources in a league that owns the sport. NFL parody spreads resources in a league that owns the sport. MLS parody spreads limited resources and brings teams to the middle. And I think there's a valid. Uh, that's a valid argument. Matt on Twitter, look at the bottom half of the La Liga and tell me that's really that exciting or interesting. I'll take MLS parody. So there you go. Uh, you know, different people with different ideas about what makes a league interesting. Hey, look, the, again, quality of play overall in a place like Spain, higher than MLS. That's sort of a different issue. I don't know that MLS, it, it, there was another tweet here a little while ago. If MLS spends, uh, if MLS teams all spending $100 million each a year, would, the, would there still be parity? Or would I still claim mediocrity? Well, look, if they're spending $100 million a year, they're buying the best players in the world. Now that's not mediocre. Um, if somehow MLS managed to collect that much talent, I think we would all be okay with that. Robert in LA, what's up? Good morning, Jason. Good morning, my friend. How's it going early on the West Coast? Uh, nice, nice, cool, 70 degrees. Sun is rising. I'm watching it right now, so it's pretty nice. Clear skies. Beautiful. Good stuff. What's on your mind? Yeah, I want to talk about uh, 
uh, this weekend, Bruce, uh, a Bundesliga scores. And uh, I don't know if you saw uh, Bruce Dortmund uh, drew, which made next week's uh, Bayern Munich. Uh, they have Bayern Munich next week. So it's going to be uh, top two going against each other. That's good. I mean, that's great. And also, I, yeah. yeah, and also, I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, that's it. I'm just saying that that's, uh, it's, it's going to be a good one. Dortmund and, and Bayern always are. Yeah, I'm, uh, and also, you were, you were right with, I, I sent you a tweet, but you were right on your, um, uh, upset call, Wolf, Wolfsburg and Nuremberg Drew, Drew. You know, I also had, and I, I think when you asked me, maybe it was somebody else, I also had, I, I was waffling on Tottenham beating Man City. I wish I was, I wish I was adamant about that. I didn't think it was going to be 4-1, yeah. but I think I had Spurs beating Man City at home. Yeah, and you were also joking about, uh, if, if Liverpool can beat uh, Aston Villa, which <laughs> did happen, and I was right. Um, I, I, I predicted uh, Inter Milan winning, but I was wrong with uh, Leicester being Arsenal, which that Leicester-Arsenal game was actually very intense because both teams were going at it, and like Leicester took the lead, but a couple counterattacks uh, doomed them with Alexis Sanchez is an amazing player. No, absolutely. Uh, good stuff from him, and they uh, Arsenal needed that. Arsenal needed, you know, they needed something more than a 2-1 win where they get an own goal or or something breaks their way. They needed something that was, you know, and it's Leicester. Okay, put that in context. But Leicester's been, you know, fairly good to start the year. So, you know, to see Arsenal be dominant, get Alexis Sanchez with a, with a hat trick, they have to feel better about themselves now. Yes, I think it was because, you know, I don't think Leicester was expecting this, uh, you know, this turnaround, or this many points. So I think they had, like, these, points over a bag they're like all right i think we can risk it and you know play play their game but uh back to the, the dortmund and bayern munich who are you uh, who are you taking i'll take bayern munich i i know dortmund's been good bayern but I'll, I'll take bayern munich yeah yeah oh yeah when you have a <laughs> their former player Lewandowski scoring goals sure, yeah you know, it's gonna I, be very exciting always the dynamic too when bayern plays dortmund it's like uh hey guys this is the two these are the two best teams in germany but bayern munich has stolen all stolen Taking away all of Dortmund's big talent. That's just a thing that they do. And, you know, may, I, I, root, I root for Dortmund in that situation. I'm no Bayern Munich fan. I, I don't hate them necessarily, but I don't necessarily, you know, but obviously I don't think it's great to have one super dominant team. And, you know, they're going to win the title. And they're probably going to be a champion, you know, deep in the Champions League based on all of that talent. You know, so I, I'd like to see, I, I'd like to see Dortmund disrupt things a bit. Well, uh, yeah, it should, either way, it could be an amazing game, but that's all I want to say. Uh, I appreciate it. My call, Good stuff, Robert, in Los Angeles. 646-832-3909. We didn't even talk about Robert's LA Galaxy and their 3-2 win over FC Dallas last night. I did uh, I did a rabble broadcast for that game. I mentioned that earlier, Jared Dubois and I. Uh, the Galaxy looked great for a while. I mean, they looked great in general. And you had um, the, their midfield absolutely dominating FC Dallas. But you have defensive frailties. You have some issues for the Galaxy that may come back to bite them. And they still can't win on the road. They still can't get it done on the road. Absolutely dominant at home. So much of what the Galaxy do in this year's playoffs is going to turn on how much home field advantage they have. Now, if they finish in one of the top two spots in the West, there's really no home field advantage until you get to the MLS Cup Final. So they'd have to navigate... Those, those away legs in the, um, in the conference semis and the conference finals before they even get a chance to let that, that home field advantage really come into play. All right. 
Uh, we got Daniel on Twitter asking about uh, Miguel Herrera to Chicago and whether or not it's credible. I don't know if it's credible. Uh, I think I mentioned this yesterday. Did the fire uh, the fire issued a statement uh, about Nelson Rodriguez and the search for a new head coach? Obviously, Brian Bliss seeing things out. They lost to TFC. I actually saw, thought that the fire showed some fight, which was really good. Um, Gilberto scoring two goals against his former side, uh, so he looked he looked pretty good there. Um, but the rumors of Miguel Herrera are incredibly int- intriguing. I would love to see Miguel Herrera in Chicago. Mexican journalist Fernando Schwartz reported Tuesday, uh, Thursday excuse me, that the fire and new general manager Nelson Rodriguez uh, are eyeing former Mexican national team manager Miguel Piojo Herrera. Uh, but the, a spokesman for the fire told MLSsoccer.com that Rodriguez won't begin his formal search for the new coach until October 19th when the incoming GM officially assumes his new title. So, Rodriguez is not actually on the job yet, apparently. And the rumor of Miguel Herrera going to Chicago is just that for the time being. Uh, let, me look at, uh, let me look at Twitter here. 646-832-3909 is your phone number. Uh, Mike, still think it's a bit of a double standard when it comes to parity. If, ML, if, if the EPL had 12 teams capable of winning the league, people would be gushing. Yeah, but you, uh, again, Mike, you have to take into account the uh, the balance that is the amount of money spent and the relative quality of the overall league versus the parity. MLS is 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 committed to parity at a time in its history when it cannot compete with the quality of those top European leagues. I mean, we're not talking about we're not compa- talking about comparing two somewhat equal leagues in terms of salary spend or overall quality and then saying that people are, are viewing lack of parity as a strength and parity, whatever. We're, we're talking about MLS, which is still striving to be something and is still refusing to allow its teams, refusing is maybe the wrong word, but choosing to not allow its team to spend on, on, top, of, uh, on top of a salary cap that is relatively low outside of those three designated players. Now, Trevor's taking shots at the playoff format. We also risk end up ending up with a stinker of an MLS Cup, which is supposed to be the zenith of the season. Sure, but, uh, you know, obviously soccer knockout tournaments often deliver not great games for finals. And, and that's, clearly, uh, that's clearly something MLS is willing to, to, to deal with in order to maintain interest over the course of a season with more teams being involved in the chase for for playoff spots, um, that allows them to, you, you know, uh, mar- continually market to a group of fans who aren't going to cash out at some point. And, and no, look, I, I would love for MLS Cup to be a thrilling game every time out. And I would love for it to feature the best teams every time out. But if those teams are the best teams, they should learn how to win in the playoffs. I mean, that, that you can't, when you get a, <clears throat> when you get a Colorado FC Dallas final, like we did a couple years back. Do we blame the league format and parity and the way things are done, or do we blame the teams that were better than FC Dallas and, and Colorado and failed to beat those teams in the playoffs? All right, let me, uh, let me check this out. Uh, Daniel, when, when La Liga is being dominated by two, two giants, then where's the parity if all teams can spend money? Uh <clears throat> 
well, they can spend money. They have different levels of resources, and that's that's clearly um, that's clearly a you know a, a thing that that takes away um, takes away the opportunity. MLS would not be obviously MLS would not have parity with without uh, spending restrictions. We know that. Is the league's commitment to parity a burden that it needs to shed? I, I guess that's where we're at. Now, clearly, we have there are there is room within the rules. There is room within the cap. There is room within just being a smart team that runs its organization in a smart manner to separate yourself. That separation may be relatively small when compared to the separation between Barcelona and the 18th team, place team in La Liga. But there is room. I mean, let, let's, if we put aside the issue of whether or not parity is good or bad, let's at least recognize that there is still room under that system for teams to separate themselves. I mean, that's the NFL model. That's, hey, we have parity, but if you're smart, if you draft well, if you sign the right players, if you use the right system, if you get the right quarterback, I mean, that's essentially the NFL, you can still separate yourself and be not dominant to the point of you're going to win a title every year because, yeah, playoffs, of course. But dominant to the point where you, put, you take on the, the image of a great team. You know, if there was, if, look, and this is the point, too. If there was no comparison, if it wasn't MLS compared to La Liga or MLS compared to the Premier League or MLS compared to anybody else, we wouldn't be asking these questions. Because everything else we do here in this country when it comes to sports is based on parity to a certain extent. The NFL, the NBA, Major League Baseball has revenue sharing. There may not be parity, but there is revenue sharing. It's... It's only against those other leagues that MLS that the differences in MLS therefore become a negative on some level. But that's the thing. That's that's what MLS has to deal with. MLS needs to find a way to hold itself up as a legitimate, serious, quality competition while at the same time saying our teams having our league having parity and our teams being able to beat each other up week in and week out is actually a strength rather than a weakness. Because when you have the best leagues in the world who don't have parity, that's not a feature of their league. It's going to be harder. It's going to be a harder sell. Washington, in New York, you're on the air. Hey, Jason, how's it going? Man? I, I know, I know um, you love parity. I know you love, love it, right? Well, I, I, the the thing that I have is um, you you compared uh, you know a, a parity with with the NFL, right? The the problem with that um, because I think that if you left it at this point at this stage, if you left MLS to uh, you know spend that as they wish. You would end up with the old NASL model where they had the New York Cosmos and they had everybody else, right? Because you'd have maybe one or two teams that that have the resources to spend on money, spend their money on big playing players, and then you'd have everybody else. And using the NFL as a model of well, you have to learn how to draft well. I don't think that's fair because the NFL has something, has a minor league that's built in for free, which is the colleges, right? And and they and they have a monopoly on getting that talent. Exactly. Exactly. So uh, comparing it to the MLS is not really that fair. I think for now, and I, believe me, I, I am one of those people who I, I, I don't like single entity. I don't like single entity at right. all. I wish 
each team will be able to administer their own team with their own resources and, and do their own thing, right? But I know in my heart that right now it's a necessary evil. Having single entity and having that, that salary cap right now is a necessary evil because if you don't, it, 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 you're just gonna you're just setting yourself up to having uh, the old NASL, well, New York okay, Cosmos, okay. and everybody else. A couple of things. One, you can have parity without single entity. I know you know that. So if MLS decides mm-hmm. to break up single entity, which I don't think they're going to do because of uh, of challenges that they'll face from the players um, in terms of collusion and, and the like, um, you can still do that. The other thing is, you're right. Look, you're right that the mechanisms that MLS would use, MLS teams would use to separate themselves aren't the same as the NFL in terms of, of acquiring talent through the draft and the like. But, you know, okay, so, so if I just said instead of, instead of the draft, MLS teams just need to be better at scouting and they need to have better connections in South America and they need to be able to find talent on a, uh, you know, at a budget level to make them better. I mean, you know, give the LA Galaxy credit for finding Janino, for example. Those are, it, it's, it's the same idea, separate yourself within the rules, just using different mechanisms. So when you say it's not fair, I, I understand what you're saying, but I, I will also point out that the Galaxy have managed to do something similar to what the Patriots have done using different mechanisms. Now with an academy, now with the, 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 the pipeline to South America, now finding, I mean, they obviously spend money on their DPs, but they've also found, you know, when, when Bruce Arena goes out and plucks Dan Gargan and, finds, and turns Robbie Rogers into a left back, that's, that's the Galaxy separating themselves within a parity-rich model. Yes, I agree with you, but don't you think, and, and um, you bring in that Robbie Rogers example, and the Gang example kind of killed my point here, but don't you think that uh, another another uh, mechanism of this, uh, you know, parity and, and salary cap is not only because you're right, if they were allowed to, to, to if you, you went out and you, you started recruiting creatively, right, um, you'd go out and you'd find those South American stars and use European stars, right? But I think that one of the, th- one of the things, and, and it might be just a byproduct, but still one of the things that the salary cap does is that it forces you to concentrate on American, um, na- you know, native, natural American talent as sure. opposed to going over abroad. Don't you think so? Yeah. You know, well, and here's another argument for, for salary caps, and, and, and obviously caps are, the major effect of the salary cap is parity. I mean, that's, that's why you have a cap outside of your, your just concern for not overspending, is, is to help maintain parity. If you have a cap, if you are, are restricted, I mean, you'll find people are more creative and find more, um, more ways to succeed with limits than without in terms of spending than without them. I mean, if you're if you're if you're the if you're running Barcelona, you're running Real Madrid, you're running Manchester United, whatever, you have a problem. I have a problem. I don't have a left back. Uh my central defense is, is bad. We don't have a holding midfielder. What what's the answer to that question, Washington? Go find someone who find, doesn't buy them. And write a check, right? Write a big fat right. check. Oh look, there's a guy playing at Zenit St. Petersburg. There's a guy playing at Shakhtar. There's a guy playing in Holland. Go pay a lot of money for him. If you're an MLS right. team and you have that same issue, now it's easy to be, you know, the bad teams will go and trade for a bad player or trade for a player who's not much better or, or you know, not be creative and not, not look for those other avenues. And I don't, I don't, again, I'm not saying this makes the league better in terms of quality, but it certainly makes, it's worth pointing out that MLS teams have to find different ways to improve their sides 
outside of the simple and easy path that is signing it. It makes them more creative. It it makes them a hell of a lot more creative. Right, and and look, that's every team in this league. There are certainly teams in Europe who have to be creative because they don't have the resources, okay? And there are teams in MLS that have resources and in in some areas will throw money around and and look not again this doesn't mean everybody's smart with it but i think that the ones that are the the, the people who run mls clubs that are smart the bruce arenas uh garth lagerway siggy schmidt peter vermees um I, I, you could even throw dc united into this mix because they've managed to do what they've done on an exceptionally small budget ali curtis give him credit give jesse marsh credit that may i, I don't know to me that's that's interesting in its own way i'm not saying it's better i'm saying mm. it's interesting all right, Jason, you're the man, bro. Thanks for All right, time. Good stuff. Appreciate the call from Washington. Took us right up to the top of the hour. Uh, there may or may not be something coming out of this meeting with Seth Blatter in Zurich that's happening right now. It's a staff meeting. I don't imagine that any uh, journalists will be there, but if something does happen, uh, that will probably leak out in, in due course. We probably won't be able to cover it much here on the web show. Uh, we'll certainly cover on SiriusXM FC if anything comes down today, and we'll be back tomorrow. Uh, to look at the the aftermath. Excuse me. Um, let's see. Stephen Clark talking about single entity is the most stable soccer system we've had in the USA in a hundred years. By that I mean it's allowing for rooting. Uh, it's allowing for rooting, uh, growing roots, infighting and instability over the century, coupled with exceptionalism, prevented a foundation of fans to help grow the sport. I agree with him on most of that. I'd have to pick that apart a little bit, but for a long time. The most important task MLS had was to just be a, a league that existed. And the same thing goes for its clubs. And if we can move into a future where stability is ensured without a single entity system or without a salary cap, then I'm all for that. I'm all for that. We'll see if it ever happens. All right. We're going to wrap up this edition of Soccer Morning on a Monday call-in special. Just kind of happened. Thank you very much for your calls. Good stuff today. We'll be back tomorrow. We'll grab somebody. We'll review some of the weekend. We'll look ahead. We'll talk FIFA. We'll do whatever um, on a Tuesday. Uh, make sure you go to iTunes. Well, no, don't do that. Let me, uh, well, do that. But let me also remind you that we've got cool stuff happening at backheel.com. And uh, we're working with rabble.tv. If you missed the broadcast yesterday that Jared Dubois and I did for LA Galaxy FC Dallas, you always go back and listen to it. It's, like a, it's basically like a bonus podcast. Another best soccer show, sort of. So go do that. That's what I would advocate you do today. All right, that's it. We are done. Thank you very much to producer Trevor and uh, all of you callers, as I mentioned. And hit me up on Twitter, Davis JSN, to consider continue any of these conversations. Soccer morning as well. And uh, we'll talk to you tomorrow. Later. Did my invitations disappear? What I put my heart on every curve